your Bibles tonight and turn to the Psalms. And I'm going to uh, kind of dovetail in on what Jeremy did when he was uh, speaking before our Thanksgiving dinner. Didn't he do a good job, by the way? What a blessing that is. And um, I read that, that night that he was preaching, and I was so impressed by this psalm that I just wanted to share some things out of it and have us in our uh, long, ongoing series on psalms uh, just to look at this. And um, I think I've got verse 4 on there. I don't, we're not going to go to verse 4, just verse 3. And um, I was... Uh, my phone rang just a while ago while we were singing, and I looked down, and it says spam risk. Okay? And so you're like, well, I'm not going to answer it. I wouldn't answer it anyway, but, man, that especially means I'm not going to answer it. And they left me a voicemail, so I'm dying to see if my warranty is up or something like that. Know what I mean? And uh, earlier tonight, while I was back in my office, I had been texting Chad Trench to check on him and I, I got a text from him, and I go, I wonder what he wants. We've already talked. And um, he got a text that was supposed to be from me, and it used my name, but it didn't address Chad. It was addressing Michelle and saying, I'm in a prayer meeting right now, but would you acknowledge this by sending a text back? I didn't send that. So if you get anything like that, look at the number and if it's not 8314291, don't have anything to do with it because that's my number. This was some 580 area code number and uh, have no idea. That's the weirdest thing. I've never had anything like that with text before. And so uh, anyway, they even spelled my name right, if you can believe that. Nobody does that. And I had all these in Keenan. And so somebody had done their homework and uh, found my name and number somewhere, and so I don't know what in the world that is, but if you get something like that, uh, don't have anything to do with it, okay? So uh, things happen in these wonderful days of technology. It's both a blessing and a curse, isn't it? And uh, so people can find more ways to do wrong or to try to find information or anything like that than um, I could ever think of. I found out uh, I wouldn't be a very good bad guy. I'm just not creative enough. And the things they can think of, boy, if they would channel that into something positive, wouldn't that be amazing? I guess we need to pray God would save some of those people and let them use their intelligence for the sake of the gospel instead of fishing schemes or something like that. So uh, just a little word of warning. Uh, give you a little bit of a heads up. I don't know how common that is, uh, but it's new to me. Okay? Now, the title tonight we're going to look at is, uh, What are the redeemed to do in a world like this? Now, I tell you what uh, I see in listening to people talk through social media and different things like that. There are a lot of people that are confused. There are a lot of people that are like this guy, just kind of dismayed and uh, discouraged. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, when I look at that, and when I see people that are like that, I'm wondering, are we not reading our Bible? Doesn't the Bible tell us that as we get nearer the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're going to have not good times, not revival, but we're instructed, and we'll look at this in just a moment, 
perilous times are going to come. And as I was thinking about this, I don't particularly like what is going on, and I find plenty that is wrong in our society, and I've preached against a lot of it. But at the same time, as I was thinking today, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. You know, when things are good, and when people are basically acting right, and things are kind of going the quote-unquote Christian way, we don't shine very brightly. We don't stick out very much. But oh, when things start going the wrong way, what a great opportunity we have for the Lord Jesus. What a great opportunity we have to say who we are and what we believe and why we believe it and to show love and to show gratefulness and to show all of those things that the Bible tells us to show. So we need to be careful that we don't join with all the people. I mean, this world today, nobody's happy about anything, anything. And you think about how good we have it in this land, and then why would anybody want to riot and shoot cops and burn down buildings in a wonderful place like America? Do we have our problems? You bet we do. But what better country to live in to see those problems solved? Because you're not going to solve them in China. You're not going to solve problems like this in Russia. You're not going to solve any problems in North Korea or Vietnam or Cuba or Iran or anything like that. The way they solve problems there is if you complain, you disappear. Right? And yet here, <coughs> we still have a lot of freedom that we ought to rejoice in. And so the psalmist uh, this psalm, we don't know who wrote it, but it uh, is written apparently after they came back from Babylon after the exile, because he kind of makes reference to that. And here's what he says to all of the redeemed people. Here's what you're supposed to do. Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And that's an unchanging statement about God. No matter what your government is, no matter what the culture is, no matter what you personally are going through, that is a true statement. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Oh, the Bible says that God saved us through His mercy, and that mercy never runs out, and it never changes. It endures forever. Verse 2. So the response to that is, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Speak up. Talk about it. Life-changing, life-giving words. We need to tell people that we are the redeemed of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You realize where you were before you were saved? Where God found you? Read Ephesians 2. Yeah, I know. We're dead in trespasses and sins. Yeah, we've got that. But we forget that in Ephesians 2, it says that we once were controlled by the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. That's Satan. That's his demons. That was us before we were saved. And God snatched us out of that and gave us new life and transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now we're his family, and we're in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that's a wonderful thing to say. That's us. Verse 3. Not only were we snatched from the hand of the enemy, 
But verse 3 says, And gathered out of the lands, <coughs> from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. Now, we may not have actually physically been captive in another land like they were, but God has redeemed all of us, whether it's ancient Israel or whether we're talking about us, we are the redeemed of the Lord, purchased by the blood of Christ and delivered out of captivity for the glory of God. And that is a wonderful thing to think about. So what should we do in this time where there's so much confusion and so much sadness, so much dismay, so much unhappiness, so much unrest, what are we supposed to do? And we are the key in all of this. The world is going to act like the world. No matter what Republican or Democrat, they're going to act like lost people. Whether they are moral or immoral, they're going to act like lost people and respond to things like lost people. But we have the Holy Spirit and we have the Word of God. We understand some things about God and His sovereignty, and we're the ones that ought to be doing this. Number one, number one is we ought to be thankful. I know I've got more than that on the, on the point, but we are to continually be thankful to God for who He is. I used to sing a song, and it said, Lord, I praise you. Because of who you are, not for all the mighty things that you have done. Lord, I worship you because of who you are. It's all the reason that I need to voice my praise because of who you are. And I think a lot of Christians are sitting around saying, Lord, if you'll give us a different administration, then I'll praise you. No, you need to be doing it now. Lord, if you would change my financial circumstances, then I would praise you. No, you need to be praising him now. As we said Sunday morning, worship is actually for the desert times. It's not the times that are just good, and it's not for the times that are just bad. It's for every time, and the Scripture tells us here that we are to give thanks to the Lord simply because of who He is. Now, the Bible says, when you want to talk about the end times in 2 Timothy, but know this, that in the last days... Perilous times will come. I think we're there. I think we're seeing it because the description that comes up after this is exactly the description of our government, the description of our media, and the description of people on the streets. Think about this. For men will be lovers of themselves. How many times do you hear about the demonic doctrine of self-esteem and have pride in yourself and who you are and all of those kind of things. That's not what the Bible teaches. We humble ourselves. We're the broken. We are the submissive to God. We recognize that there's nothing of any salvageable worth in us. The only good in us is the Lord Jesus Christ. But lovers of self, we live in that time. How about this? Lovers of money. People will take bribes. People will break laws. People will lie. They'll twist your words. And they'll do it all for the sake of the money that they can get in politics and all kinds of things. How about this? They're boasters. Man, even some people I like and agree with are just loudmouth, arrogant boasters. It's the way the Bible describes it. Proud, blasphemers. You get sick of hearing God's name used in vain? 
You get sick of all of the kind of stuff that people say about the Lord and about the Bible that just isn't true? Blasphemers? How about this one? Disobedient to parents. Has there ever been a time when children could look at their parents and with defiance say no and the parents cave in? There are certain things that come up and people wring their hands and go, oh, I just don't know what to do. Let me ask you a question. Would your grandmother worry about it? Would your grandfather have worried about it? Oh, no, boy, they just took the bull by the horns. I think we need to be more like that. And yet we are so afraid that our kids aren't going to like us. We're so afraid that we're going to mess them up. We're so afraid that uh, they won't be our friends. And that's not the way to be a parent. They need to learn to obey their parents. That's a command in Scripture. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And as parents, we need to understand that as well as our children need to understand it. And right smack dab in the middle of all of this mess, he says the perilous times are going to include unthankful or ungrateful people. Boy, I think about that, and I've already kind of alluded to this. I could have just as easily been born in the slums of Mumbai, India. I could have just as easily been born in a communist nation or a Muslim nation. I could be in a place where I don't have any hope or any upward mobility. I could be in a place like that. But God in His grace has allowed me to be born in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And in spite of everything that we see that are problems, and there are many problems, we are still in the nation where everybody else in the world wants to come. Think about that. We're still in a nation where we can gather like we are tonight and we gather without any fear. I can still proclaim to you what the Word of God says without any fear. And I don't know how much longer that'll happen. And I do recognize there are threats to all of that. But, hey, this is now. This is the way it is now. I was thinking the other day about how we rarely ever say, give us this day our daily bread because in 21st century America, most of us, including me, never even think about the possibility of not having daily bread. I got to thinking about it. I never one time in raising my children ever had to worry how we were going to feed them. Think about that. In my life, I've never missed a meal because there wasn't any food. Think about that. All I have to do is go back to my parents or grandparents' generation. I heard my mom talk about her childhood one time, and her biggest memory of it is going to bed hungry because they didn't have any food. That's just a generation. I know I'm old, but that's just a generation before me. But we don't have that problem. I got to thinking about how we take it for granted so often. And I thought about our prosperity. I thought about how we may gripe about inflation, and it is a problem right now, but most of us are still going to put gas in our cars. Most of us are still going to be able to go out and eat, and maybe we should say it like this, overeat. We're still going to be able to buy Christmas presents for our children and our grandchildren. We're still going to be able to travel. I mean, you think about all that we have, 
and you think about all of the blessings that have been poured out upon us, we should not be numbered among the ungrateful. We should not be numbered among the dissatisfied at all. We should not be like this world that can't find anything good. We should be the ones that are happy. We should be the ones that are rejoicing. We should be the ones that are vocalizing our praise to the Lord because we are not like them and they are not like us. We know the true and living God. Somebody say amen to that. Because that is so important to understand. Not only unthankful, but unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. They make fun of it, don't they? Traitors, headstrong, haughty, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. They'll talk about him, but denying its power. And what is the power of God? Romans 1.16 says that the power of God is the gospel unto salvation. And boy, people don't want that at all. They'll talk about God. They may talk about Jesus. But they don't really want to talk about sin. They don't want to talk about repentance. They don't want to talk about being saved or born again. They try to say we're all okay. And uh, that describes to a T, the society in which we live. We ought not partake in it. And we ought to say, not me. I'm going to be different, and everything that it says in there will not categorize my life, at least not for long, because I'll confess it and I'll forsake it. I'm thinking about Luke 17. Jesus had some lepers come up to him, and they said, heal us. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. Remember that? There were 10 of them. And as they headed toward the temple, they started getting well. And you can imagine as they started getting better, they started going from a walk to a trot and to a run, and they're just ecstatic that everything is going so well. But one leper couldn't do it. He turned around and he ran back to Jesus and fell at his feet. And Jesus, the scripture says, said, wait a minute. Weren't there ten that were healed? Where are the other nine? Has only this one come to give thanks and glory to God? And he, of all things, was a Samaritan. How ironic. We need to be like the one instead of like the nine. And we need to think about everything that we have, everything that we get to do, the privileges that we have, and we need to give thanks to God, if nothing else, for the fact that we're saved. For the fact that if trouble comes our way and splashes onto our life and a little bit of hell splashes over into our lives, that's the worst it's ever going to get for us. Because we, brothers and sisters, are on our way to streets of gold and gates of pearl and a Savior who is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Your future is beautiful and wonderful in spite of what's going on in the world. Praise His name. Give Him thanks. And don't be like the complainers on this world. And don't be the one that takes God and all of His blessings for granted. So number two, what else should we do? Well, the next word we want to uh, uh, mention tonight is the word talk. 
We need to be talking to others about the Lord's mercy. Verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't be quiet. Don't clam up. Don't be intimidated by this world. Don't be intimidated, intimidated by the radicals and the secular humanists and all of those people. They don't know what they're talking about. We have the truth. We know the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus. We possess the Word of God, which is the mind of Christ, which is always true in every situation. We need to talk about it. We need to speak up. So let me ask you, how different would this world be if every believer like you began to give thanks and express thanks? How different would that be? You would stick out like a sore thumb. I was at cardiac rehab yesterday, and the nurse that was helping me, she is uh, pregnant, and uh, I told her, I said, I need to say something to you. She goes, what's that? And I said, I have been praying for you and for your baby for some time now, and I just want to thank you for your care for me and for your interest in me. Man, it has made such a difference in my life and in my health. She teared up twice. Well, I told her that. You know why she probably teared up? Because she probably doesn't hear that very often. You hear a lot of complaints. You hear about the negative things. But we don't say thank you near enough to people as we ought to. And we sure don't do it to God. Now that second thing is that would make us stand out. What if we started talking more about the Lord? And what if... As a part of our thanksgiving, whenever we were are checking out groceries, and whenever the person tells us what the total is, what if we said something like this? It's what, $112.50? Here you go. Here's my card. And boy, I thank the Lord that I'm able to buy it and able to take food home to my family. What if we did little things like that? What if somebody, when you're standing by the gas pump putting gas in your car, and they talk about the high price of gas, what if you countered it with, yeah, but you know, I thank the Lord that I'm able to buy it, and I'm able to go to work, and I'm able to take care of my family. God has really been good. What if we took all of those things as an opportunity to spotlight Him? What if our light really did shine before this dark and lost world so that they could see our good deeds and even our gratefulness and glorify our Father which is in heaven. What if somebody in the church goes a little bit negative and instead of buying into it and moving along with it, what if we turned it into praise and thanksgiving? How different would that be? What if in our home and in our family, about the time things started going sour and things started getting difficult, what if we turned that into a time of praise? So the redeemed ought to say so. We ought not be bashful. We ought not be silent. We ought not be intimidated. Boy, the world's not intimidated. With all of their junk, they march in the streets proudly proclaiming their ignorance proudly proclaiming their sin and their destruction, and they don't care. And we're the ones with the words of life and the truth of the gospel, and we ought to be speaking up. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It is attributed to Francis of Assisi, but it's not uh, confirmed. 
that he said one time, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. That's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Jesus told us we are to be proclaimers of the gospel. And this verse tells us we're not just supposed to live nice and quiet and pious and holy lives in front of other people. We are to talk about our God, to talk about salvation, to talk and to be a witness. Now, to be fair, your talk better match your walk or you're going to look like a fool and a hypocrite. But if all you do is walk right in front of them, they're just going to assume you're nice. They're going to assume you're just a good person. And the truth of the matter is, you ain't all that nice. Just get you in traffic sometimes, and we'll see just how you really are. And you don't really walk all that nice. You're not all that good of a person. In fact, we understand as believers, we are sinners who deserve hell. We are sinners who deserve to be alienated from God for eternity. But in His mercy, He came to us. And He sent His Son to die on the cross for us and to pay the sin debt that we have and bear the wrath of God and to be raised from the dead. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we ought not be silent about that. We ought to have a passion about it. We ought to be praying for opportunities to do that. And then as we stumble and stammer along, just make sure that you do it to the praise of the God's glorious grace. Because salvation is not of you or me or our presentation or our sound speech. Salvation is of the Lord. And like Moses, sometimes we feel like we're just a, a stammering idiot sometimes. And God says, don't worry about that. Just proclaim my word. I'll take care of all of this because I'm the one that saves people. So we want to be thankful and we need to be talking about the right things. Thirdly, we need to be truthful, be truthful about where the Lord found us. Now, notice the psalmist says, back to 107, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. God didn't save me because he needed me. God didn't save you because he needed you. He was fine without any of us. He is an absolute God who is in need of nothing. Now, I was taught when I was a little kid that God sent Jesus because he was lonely and he wanted some friends. And so Jesus came and died so we could be the friend of God. Poor God. Poor God. He just needs us so badly. That's ridiculous. He had perfect fellowship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfect fellowship with all of the angels. Think about that. And yet, in his love and mercy... He didn't redeem angels who rebelled against him. Why? I don't know. But he redeemed us. Every bit as rebellious as those fallen angels. And yet he redeemed us. Christ sent his son to die and pay the sin debt for us. And you know, when we think about where we came from, we need to be honest about it. Sometimes we're so busy trying to guard our reputation. Well, what will people think of me if I don't 
live right. That's a good thing. You ought to have that on your mind. But when you're talking to people who are lost, don't be afraid to bring up where you came from. Paul wasn't. You know, I read in the Scripture, for example, 1 Timothy 1, 13-15, Paul talks about himself, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy, he says. You find, look through the Bible in the book of Acts and other places, how many times Paul brought up his past. Wasn't glorying in it. But he was using that to show a point of identification. I did not deserve salvation. God didn't save me because I had good parents. God didn't save me because I'm a white, middle-class, American, Protestant, whatever. God didn't save me because I had something that I could do for him or something that I could offer him. God's in need of nothing. God saved me because he is good. God saved me because he's good and I'm not. God saved me because I'm a wretched sinner who needed salvation. And it was so serious that God sent his son to earth to live a perfect life and then be butchered on a cross and bear the wrath of God in my place. That's how serious it is. And I need to make sure that I don't come across as a person that has it all together and God said, ooh, I want that guy on my team. Hey, folks, this isn't fifth grade dodgeball. And God is not looking and saying, who's the fastest runner? Who's the guy that has the best footwork? Who's the guy that can throw the ball the hardest? I want them... You know, you and I were the last ones on the fifth grade team to be chosen. We're the ones nobody else wanted. We're the ones that didn't have anything to offer to the team. And yet God has chosen to save us. And God has indwelt us. And God has taught us. And God has gifted us and made us members of his body. And we need to think about where we came from, <coughs> who we are, and where God found us dead in trespasses and sins. This is a trustworthy saying and deserving of all acceptance, Paul says, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost I am the chief you know it's easy to talk about your good things it's easy to talk about your successes it's easy to lead people to believe that you're a wise person and you've made good choices and you're not like all of them out there because of what you have done and what you have chosen the truth of the matter is I would have chosen all the wrong things had it not been for Jesus I'd be out there in the middle of all of the biggest mess you could find. I'd be the most self-righteous hypocrite the world has ever known had it not been for Jesus. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 6, Most men will proclaim, with the, uh, will proclaim each his own goodness. And boy, that's the way we are. We like to talk about success. We like to talk about victory. We like to talk about power. We like to talk about influence. We like to talk about strength. We like to talk about all of those things. And that's what the lost world does. You tell them they need a Savior, they're going to start telling you how good they are, how many people they've helped, how much money they've given to charity, all of those things that are insufficient to pay for their sin debt. And maybe one of the reasons they do that is because they think that's what we want to hear. They think that's who we are. 
And the truth of the matter is, we're sinners saved by the grace of God and the mercy of God. And I think sometimes when we witness and when we talk to other people, we need to tell about those things, our brokenness, our lostness, our failures, our sin, so that they see that when salvation comes to us, it didn't come to us because we earned it or because we were deserving of it or because God saw something good in us or because He needed us. It came because He is a merciful, forgiving God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And after all, isn't that really what we celebrate when we think about a baby being born and, uh, born and laid in a manger? It's not just about that. It's about God coming to earth so that He could live the life we could never live and die the death we could never die so that He could pay for our sins, rise from the dead, and bring us into His family. Oh, what good news that is. So we need to be thankful. We need to be talking we need to be truthful about who we really are. And then, the last thing, we need to be thoughtful about what might have been. Where would you be if Jesus hadn't found you? What would your life be like if God hadn't saved you? If God hadn't saved mom and dad? If God hadn't saved grandma and grandpa? I don't know how far you have to go back. But neither one of my parents were raised in a Christian home. I'm a first-generation person to be raised in a Christian home on both sides of my family. What would my life be like if my dad was like his dad? Grandpa Keenan took a scoop shovel and buried it into the thigh of an eight-year-old son of his who was my uncle. That's the kind of man he was. I thank God my dad wasn't like that. Some of you have parents and grandparents that were drunks, adulterers, mean, selfish. And God redeemed you. And maybe God redeemed them. I'm thankful that that grandpa who did that awful thing, he would have been in jail nowadays. But in, uh, before he died in 1956, God saved him. He's in heaven. I've never met him, but one day I will because of God's amazing grace. And I think about those kind of things and where would you be if God hadn't saved you? Some of you even here tonight... Where would you be? You'd be in a bar. You might be passed out by now. Some of you would be through failed marriage after failed marriage after failed marriage. Some of you might be in jail. Some of you wouldn't have the fellowship that you enjoy here tonight because nobody would want anything to do with you. Where would you be if Jesus hadn't saved you? you say, where do you get that out of this verse? Well, notice... The psalmist reflects back and he says, And gathered us out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. You know what he was saying? If God had not redeemed us, we would still be enslaved in Egypt. If God had not delivered us, 
we'd still be captive to the Assyrians. If God had not redeemed us, we would still be in Babylon under the thumb of Nebuchadnezzar or Darius or those kings. Think about what he was saying. He's looking back saying, we have every reason to rejoice. Look what God has done. And I want to say to you, those of you who are just down and you're discouraged and you're dismayed by everything that's going on, what did you expect? What did you expect? This is a fallen, sinful world filled with sinners like you and like me. And God told us perilous times would come, troubles would come, Jesus guaranteed you that in this world you would have tribulations. Christians get sick, have surgeries. Christians grieve. Christians lose jobs. Christians get run out of town. Christians are in prison for their faith. What did you expect? And we have it so much better even in our worst days than most of the world does. I'd rather have a bad day in America than anywhere else. Think about that. And I would rather have a bad day walking with Jesus than a good day walking in the flesh and with the devil. Think about it. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Speak up. Say a good word for Christ. Give thanks to the Lord. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's a command. Talk about the Lord every time you get a chance. You may not get a chance to go through your whole EE outline or anything like that. But speak up. It may turn into something. Remember where the Lord found you. Think about where you might have been had he not invaded your life, changed your life, and changed your family tree. Think about what your life would be like had you been born somewhere else. Think about what your life would be like had you followed along the course of where your family was headed. You could be an idol worshiper today, couldn't you? You could be a drug addict. You could be a drunk. You could be any number of things. You could be in prison. But thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, Paul says. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Because we got a lot to talk about and a wonderful story to tell. And we ought to do it from a glad and thankful heart. And my suspicion is, if we ever get our heart to be thankful, point one, the other three points won't be a problem. They'll just flow out of us in the power of the Holy Spirit. So could we have a word of prayer? And could we ask for forgiveness tonight? Could we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord to be our strength? And could we ask for that to overflow out of our lives so that in this world we're not dismayed and discouraged and angry and bitter and frustrated? 
but we actually look at this and say, what a great opportunity we have to shine for Jesus. It's gloriously dark, and we have the opportunity to gloriously shine in this dark world. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes? Lord, as we think about where we live, what we experience, and all of the things that we complain about, our first world problems, as we say, dear Lord, forgive us for not being thankful. Next time the internet goes down, instead of griping, I pray that we would stop and say, thank you, Lord, that we even have that. Next time the electricity goes off, instead of griping, may we thank the Lord that we even have electricity in our homes. And we could go on and on and on. Next time we stand in front of a full refrigerator or pantry saying, I don't know what I'm going to eat. May we thank God that we have a full refrigerator or a full pantry. Next time we stand in front of a closet saying, I don't have anything to wear and yet there's hanger after hanger after hanger of clothes. May we turn that into thanksgiving and praise. And next time we're out in the world or in front of our children, may they hear us giving thanks to God for all that He has done, for saving us, for providing for us, for allowing us to be a, a born and a citizen of this wonderful country. May we be the people who talk about the Lord and talk about the gospel, and talk about the Bible, and talk about all of the good things that we have received because of you and because of your grace. Would you never let us forget where we come from? About the time we start thinking that we're all that in a bag of chips, we're so smart, we're so wise, why can't other people see what we do? Remind us of where you found us and where we would be if it were not for Jesus. And let us be mindful of the fact that had you abandoned us and left us alone, how different, how horrible, how ugly, how despicable, and how disappointing our lives would be. And it would be all this and then hell. But oh Lord, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And as the old song says, that when you said whosoever, you included me by your sovereign grace. And I thank you for that. Change us. And let this psalm impact our lives. I pray you would heal and encourage the sick tonight. I pray that you would encourage the discouraged. I pray that you would rescue people out of sin and rebellion. I pray that you would save the lost. I pray that you would give us opportunities to witness. I pray that you would bless our church. Make us effective for the glory of God. I pray that you would comfort the grieving. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to be an encouragement in a lost, dying, darkened world. May we refuse to play their game. And may we glorify the Lord so that the words of our mouth 
and the meditation of our heart are acceptable in your sight because you are our rock and our redeemer. And thank you so much for that. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, asking your forgiveness and for your correction. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here tonight. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have. And hope that your soul has been fed. And pray that you've been encouraged. And now let's uh, go forth in the name of the Lord. And let's shine as bright lights in a dark world. Don't forget, we're taking our staff love offering now. And just a reminder, I don't take that for myself. But it is a great joy on behalf of the church to be able to bless those people who serve us so well. And they've really stepped up during this last month. And I appreciate it, and I'm sure you do as well. You can mail it in if you want to. You can drop it by the office. You can put it in the box out there and designate it. Or you can go online and do it the high-tech way, however you want to do it. But be sure and do that, and let's show a lot of love to these folks. And you're dismissed. Hug somebody's neck, shake their hand, and uh, tell them that you love them tonight. And uh, let's leave on an encouraging note and uh, praying that the students are blessed tonight. They're out Christmas caroling. And uh, that Awana is being blessed as well. And that our children are having the seed of the Word of God planted in their heart. And let's pray for a harvest. God bless you. You're dismissed.